Weren't you paying attention? Didn't you see the people from the past get caught? You get this blessing to make a change in the lives of people, your neighbors, your family members, your, your extended network, your constituents. And you decide to pocket your, 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 your back pocket instead of what you've been asked? Detroit has been back in the news in a way nobody wants. As of last week, four out of the nine city council members who started the year in office have come under federal corruption investigation. Now, former city councilman Gabe Leland pleaded guilty to misconduct in May after taking 7500 in campaign contributions in cash from a businessman in a city land dispute. Then in July, Councilman Andre Spivey was charged, accused with a staffer of accepting more than $35,000 for bribes, though details are limited. And last week, City Hall and the homes of council members Janae Ayers, Scott Benson, and their chiefs of staff were raided by the FBI. Let's be clear, none of the folks in the raid have been charged, but Detroiters are feeling some type of way. It makes you feel like you don't have control, you know. Fed up, targeted. We used to watch WWF, right? Had a guy called the Million Dollar Man. He used to say, everybody got a price for the Million Dollar Man. The same thing exists in politics, man. And some are just tired. Detroit isn't the only city to fight off corruption and come under investigation at times. There's been other cases in the region, and other big cities definitely see it too. But for the several Detroiters we talked to, and the federal prosecutor who took down former Mayor Kwame Kilpatrick, the images last week of the FBI raiding City Hall raised alarms and a question. With the cloud of federal investigation again looming over the city, what do we lose? If we can't trust you, then how do we expect anything to get done? I'm Carrie Jr. the second, and this is on the line. I got a phone call before I even had my coffee, and that's when um, you know we heard that these council members' homes were being searched. That's Dana Afana, the city hall reporter for the Detroit Free Press, talking about a particularly bad day for city council, Wednesday, August 25th. We had received a tip that several council members' homes were being searched by the FBI. Um, and then there were several agents outside of City Hall where our colleague Joe Guillen was monitoring. And he spoke to uh, one of the special agents in charge who held a press conference there, giving a very vague statement saying that this is due to public corruption. And that day, he saw roughly 20 agents just carrying boxes from inside the city hall building. So what is it we do know and what is it we don't know about the investigation itself? So what we know is that federal agents are investigating two council members. That's Councilwoman Janae Ayers and Councilman Scott Benson. Not only are they being investigated, but their chiefs of staff are also being investigated. And we don't know what it's related to. They have not shared any details beyond that. It does come soon after Councilman Andre Spivey has been charged with bribery charges. And we're unsure if it's related to that, but the timing has just been a little interesting to some people. There was a recent suggestion from Mayor Mike Duggan 
that it could be related to towing contracts just after seeing some floating reports out there. Um, but he said he doesn't know. Whatever the connection is, yeah, it's been a big year for these types of cases in Detroit. And of course, it's got us thinking of you-know-who. I promise we'll keep it brief, but you know the name. Kwame Kilpatrick. I think at this point, uh, everybody and their mom knows this name. Mamas, aunties, cousins, you know the story. And we're not going to go deep on that. But the beloved former mayor fell hard, got 28 years for corruption, and had his sentence commuted. But when we wanted some perspective on these corruption cases and investigations, we spoke with someone particularly well-versed. Honestly, in part because while he faced state charges, she prosecuted his federal case. I was really excited about him. He was a really talented person. That's U.S. Attorney Barbara McQuaid. You know, it was very deflating to, to find out that he was more interested in promoting himself than he was the interests of the city. We spoke with McQuaid about the current cases, but also what corruption investigations have meant for Detroiters, how they're feeling and how some think Detroit's getting an unfair amount of scrutiny. It's really important to know about that cases. It wasn't just Kwame Kilpatrick who was convicted in that case. It was 30 members of his administration or businesses doing business with the city. And so I think uh, the, the, the culture of an organization is just so important to maintain integrity. Does Michigan or Detroit see corruption more than any other big city? I don't think so. I think that... Um, uh, many large cities experience public corruption. And, and I think there are two reasons for it. I mean, I think most public officials are honorable and honest and they work hard uh, and sacrifice a lot of, of their personal lives to serve the people. But um, there is a lot of temptation. When you are in office, people want to give you free stuff all the time and it escalates. People uh, want that advantage. And I think that uh, um, one of the other things to keep in mind is that um, big cities are susceptible to these kinds of schemes if people are so inclined because they deal in these public contracts that are worth tens of millions of dollars. A business has a pretty strong incentive to pay off somebody just a few thousand dollars to vote yes uh, for their bid uh, on the city contract. I think a few things have changed in Detroit that are helpful. Uh, one thing that made it particularly dangerous in Detroit during the Kilpatrick administration and his predecessors was there was a judgment in court that allowed the mayor to have sole control over the water department. That's changed. There has also been a change to the city charter about more transparency in the ownership of uh, businesses and reporting of gifts and other kinds of things that I think help. Uh, but obviously those things are not foolproof because we have seen these, these cases this summer. Some Detroiters have said they feel like the city is being targeted, that it's being singled out by the FBI. What do you say to that? I would say a couple of things. One is there have been, uh, even in this community, a number of other public corruption investigations outside of Detroit. Macomb County has had a massive investigation going on against um, some county officials and contractors. There were some prominent cases out of Southfield. So it's not just Detroit. You know, when you have a big city, as we said, the opportunity for bribery and extortion is just exponentially higher. And that's why I think you hear about corruption in big cities, you know, Chicago and New Orleans and other places is because that's where the money is. But we're talking about Detroit and Detroiters. Hello. Did you have any trouble finding it? No, I did not. This is wonderful. Nice to meet you. It was nice to meet you, too. Hello. Come on hello. in. Renee is here. We're with Penny Baylor and Renee Yancey in Penny's home. 
Yeah, the Penny's house is a memorial. Oh, no, no, not a memorial. It's more like a museum mm -hmm, of, mm -hmm. of, of all things um, of color. Mm -hmm. And these two have a special connection. That's because Penny used to babysit Renee when she was a child. Uh, the Baylors lived on Trevor Place, and my mother and my Three sister lived on Stafford Place. So they're in the same complex called Town Square, mm -hmm. which is Lafayette and Shane. And so when Penny came from California, she brought the babysitting club. Oh, the babysitting co-op. Co-op, the babysitting yeah, co-op. Yeah. So my mother, being a single parent with two, a, a white woman with two black girls, she needed some help taking care of us because she had to go to work. So what I did in, in, in with my neighbor's friends is we said, why don't we just do it for each other? They're both long-term residents of the city. And Penny even ran for city council back in 1981 and also worked for Councilwoman Marianne Mahaffey back in the day. And Renee says she plans to run for city council four years from now. She says she wants to be the change she wants to see in the world. Can you, can you talk about how over time up until today, public officials and the perception of what public officials are now has it changed for you? Is it the same as it was back then when you're talking about Carl Levin? Well, Levin's? we had some evildoers at the time <laughs> as well. Uh, I think it's hard to explain how the differences between that 40 years ago and now. Uh, but in a way, it's never changed. There's always somebody that's a bad seed. That's one way of putting it. I don't want to say on every, every year of, of every decade, all nine council members were excellent. Some were great, some were awful, but they weren't all necessarily criminal or doing anything illegal. I, I read now what's going on with the city council and you hear this person's being investigated and that person's being investigated. And I just like, I don't want to, I don't want to read the deal. It's just sickening mm -hmm. to, uh, to, to hear that because I think what that does is it disillusions Detroiters, it, the voters. It not only disillusions Detroiters and voters in the city, but the whole region. You asked to do this. You ran because you wanted to make a difference, and you made it about you. Maybe some of them don't come in that way. What? How many council people are there? Nine? Nine. Mm -hmm. Nine. They're not all bad, and we know that. But because one does something so little, and it gets blown, that the whole country is now looking at Detroit as, oh, Detroit. After the break, how FBI probes and convictions for sweetened deals hurt the way Detroit does business. My name is Dave Boucher, and I'm a government and politics reporter for the Detroit Free Press. In the past year, we've brought you the impact of the 2020 general election and debunked mountains of misinformation. All the while, we continue to delve into the policies and politics driving the fight against COVID-19. There's never been a more critical time to produce reliable information while holding the powerful accountable. But we can't do that alone. By subscribing to the Free Press, you're supporting quality local journalism that creates a stronger community for everyone. And it's never been easier to join. For just $1, you'll get six months of full digital access to all of my work, along with excellent coverage on autos, sports, and additional topics chronicled by my wonderful colleagues here at the Detroit Free Press. To learn more, head to Freep dot com slash special offer. Thank you. And we're back.
with Detroit residents Penny Baylor and Renee Yancey telling us about the price we pay amid corruption investigations. Having experienced what's been going on with council members, with mayors, can you tell me any personal stories from your life or just what your feelings have been over the years? I would start off with the extension of distrust. Distrust, excuse me. If we've already had this cloud that has, you know, either been a small cloud or a big cloud, depending upon, you know, which administration, that if we can't trust you, then how do we expect anything to get done? So there's no relationship there. The, the neighborhood residents who pay property taxes, who, you know, pay their salary, and I can't trust you, but I, I'm supposed to pay for this. And again, you know, these allegations are allegations. They're under investigation. I hope that they're not found out to be true. I hope there was some confusion or, or, or what have you, and, and the truth you know, the better of the truth comes to light. So it threatens democracy when people become disillusioned, when people find out that, that city council members or any elected officials, because this could be true anywhere in the elected world, have been liars or, or just lazy or just incompetent. Mm -hmm. and, and occasionally we're going to elect somebody that doesn't turn out to be good. And so the beautiful, beautiful part about that is you can have, we have a way to get rid of them. So as we said, number one, there's just this financial cost. That's former U.S. attorney Barbara McQuaid again. That citizens have a right to uh, good services at the most efficient, effective price. But I think there are a couple of other things. One is, um, I think when there is uh, corruption over and over again, people get fed up with government and disengage from the political process. Good people may not want to run for our public office. So there's that cost. Um, I think that businesses may not want to do business in a city if they are concerned about corruption. I know after the Kilpatrick conviction, uh, I had many business owners, you know, small businesses doing business in Detroit, minority-owned businesses, who said, finally, I can get back to business in Detroit. You know, I didn't have the money, the resources to pay these bribes, and so I was pushed out, and now I'm glad to come back. So there's that cost as well. Um, and I think there is also, as you mentioned, sort of the cloud that hangs over it. So even though we have not seen charges against these two city council members where search warrants were executed, there was a public statement by the FBI that the search is related to a public corruption investigation. And I think that creates a cloud where it, it may cause businesses to think twice about whether they want to do business in Detroit. So all of those things, I think, come back to harm um, the individual. You know, if you either don't have effective representation on city council or you've become so disgusted with the corruption that you've completely disengaged, then citizens are really missing out on that opportunity to have the best that government office, offers in, in, in the form of city services. What I'm hearing from people is that it could really cost the election. Reporter Dana Afena again, talking about the recent raids. Um, especially for Councilwoman Ayers, because she is running for an at-large seat. So the way that works in the primary is the top four vote getters move on to the general election because there are two open seats. She is already serving as one of those seats. Um, and, you know, she was the t lead vote getter in the primary election. But, I mean, who knows, who's to say what's going to happen in November? Um, as for Councilman Benson, he's running unopposed. There are some write-in candidates that, you know, could take over his seat, but it really... 
It really just depends. Some people still have faith in these candidates. The people who say that they know them well, they, their community knows them well, and they know that they are so connected and tied to them. But then, you know, you're going to have other people saying, well, I don't want to deal with corruption anymore, so I'm going to vote for somebody else. There is kind of an unwritten rule, though, that when you get around 60 days out from an election, that there ought to be a cooling off period where you should not take enforcement action um, unless it's necessary for public safety or other essential operational reasons. So I don't know what was discussed, but if I were involved in the discussion of this case, I probably would have said to the investigators, um, if you're going to do a search in this case, you have to do it either by the end of August or you have to do it after the election. Um, because once we get to September and October, that's going to be too close and we might tend to have uh, an influence on the outcome of the election. Now, 60 days is a little arbitrary, and I think it may be out of date with the 24-7 news cycle and social media. I, I think maybe that, that that cloud will still exist on election day. I mean, it's unfortunate because I think it's unlikely we'll see charges before the election for the reason I just said, um, or, or a decision not to charge. And so I think that they will have a cloud just because of the adverse publicity of those searches. I, I would hope that one of the uh, consequences of a case like the, the one that we did in the Kilpatrick administration, you would hope that it would have some deterrent effect, that people would see that uh, people get caught, they get held accountable, and they go to prison when they engage in corruption. The mere fact that searches is, but have done, done at their homes um, should not cause us to um, leap to conclusions. It may simply be that there's probable cause of evidence at their homes and that it is other people under investigation. But no doubt, I think it, seeing these cases is disturbing. Uh, it's disappointing. What do you want out of a public official for the city of Detroit? What does uh, that look like for you? That looks like honesty. Mm -hmm. That looks like someone who's not just going to see me when it's time for me to vote for them. And, and what I mean by see them, not just see their faces talking, but see them in the communities actually making the changes, actually fortifying this, I'm a Detroiter and I'm from Detroit spirit. Integrity. Mm someone who adheres to what's right or what's the law or what's required, uh, that's what I look for first. Well, Penny and Renee, I want to thank you both for talking with me this evening. I really thank appreciated you. the conversation. It was uh, a pleasure. true pleasure. Yeah, true pleasure. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Barbara McQuaid, thank you so, so much for squeezing us into your busy schedule today. We really appreciate you taking the time to talk. You, you bet, Carrie. And one thing I'd like to mention is the important role that the news media, including the free press, play in public corruption cases. You know, it was the free press who broke the story about text messages between Kwame Kilpatrick and Christine Beatty um, that unraveled their state court case. I mean, they were ultimately charged with perjury. Um, our prosecutors saw that work of the free press and piggybacked on it to get search warrants. I think that um, there are many watchdogs in society. Prosecutors are one, but I think the news media is another one. And local news is so incredibly important uh, to be, play that watchdog role. So we appreciate what you at the Free Press do as well. Thanks for the shout out. And you have a great day. Okay, you bet. Thank you, Carrie. All right, take care. Thanks, you too. Bye-bye. This episode was produced by me, Dyson Moran, and Tad Davis. Anjanette Delgado and Marian Struman are our executive producers, and Peter Batia is our editor. 
In addition to everyone you heard in this episode, special thanks so much to Freak reporter Joe Gian and editors Jim Schaefer and James Hill for their time. Also, thanks to Detroit residents Tracy Houston and Kenny Gatson, who can also be heard at the start of this episode. The music for the show is called Fort Trumbull and was produced by DJ Lost Boy. Thanks again for listening. Please like, subscribe, rate, all those good things. See you next week.